0: Learn podcast, hosted by Yulia and Ina, friends, colleagues, passionate teachers and learners. In this series of cozy talks with a cup of tea or coffee, we talk about how we live and learn, move countries, adapt to change and mentalities, encourage and teach. While polishing our own understanding of learnability... We find support in the four pillars of live and learn philosophy, which include growth mindset, expert life, language acquisition, and skills development. Join us. Enjoy, live and learn.
1: Hi, how are you doing? How is is life treating you?
0: Life's treating me good. I'm treating life good. We're good.
1: You're both good one
0: with another. I think we we don't compete. We uh, just satisfy the needs of one another. I'm trying to feel satisfied with what I get uh, from life. Life is trying to satisfy me with what it has to offer. So we're good. What a good attitude. What a good attitude. (laughs) To have enough, yeah, and uh, to have the uh, sufficiency of something is actually competency, according to Atim Online Dictionary that I'm uh, currently a fan of. It says competency in the meaning of sufficiency to satisfy the wants of life was registered in uh, late 16th century and comes from late in... Uh, competentia meeting together agreement symmetry which in its turn uh, has its origins in competence which is the present participle of competere to compete to have a fight to compete and you know what is interesting the meaning in which we use competency nowadays like sufficiency of qualification for something uh, is recorded starting in uh, 1797, so it's not the newest notion.
1: Mm, what was before? So, could you formulate uh, that that what a competent man would be before changing the meaning?
0: Just having enough, nothing to do with qualification, but sufficiency to satisfy the wants of life. Having enough, feeling enough.
1: So, this is the mantra of being good enough uh, for something, right? So, guys, you're good enough, you're a good enough mother, you're a good enough teacher, you're a good enough professional. That means you're competent.
0: That's a circle, you see. Like if uh, in the 16th century, the meaning that was registered uh, meant exactly this, sufficiency to satisfy the wants of life, having enough, meeting together, had this... Uh, cl- well, not collaborative, but uh, just uh, the meaning that uh, included being together, meeting together, agreement, all about the positive non-rivalry kind of things, which later shifted the meaning to competere as compete, be rivals, fight, and then having sufficiency of qualification to do something.
1: Okay, so uh, we understood that the word competent uh, uh, means uh, being enough and uh, was initially uh, considering the semantics of not competing and then in the end brought the competition into the its meaning. However, it's re- really interesting that... Uh, of course, depending on the notion, depending on its formulation, we have completely different uh, definition, right? What's define? Define that means ma- making it finer, right? Defining from the other thing because the way I use the word competence in my research, in my understanding, and in my you know mindset is um, you know comes from the uh, skills development and uh, like area of research and you know of teaching and uh yeah i think the um competence is a combination of knowledge skills and attitudes with regard to a specific uh, task so for example digital competence would be a competition a combination of knowledge skills and attitudes with regards to the use of technology to perform tasks, solve problems, communicate—I don't know—manage information, collaborate, create, share content in the way that is effective, appropriate, secure, critical, and so on, so on, so on, so on. So basically, the main idea of the word competence is a triad, right? A three columns, three pillars of the uh, theoretical basis, the knowledge skills how to do uh, this implementation of this knowledge and the attitude what is the attitude with which i do it securely appropriately and good enough
0: and so all of these uh, as far as i remember have always been part of um, educational theory and uh, it's always been there has anything changed uh, recently in the understanding of competences in this triad.
1: The, the main idea is that when we're talking about skills, we actually mean the competence in the broader meaning. When we're talking, I don't know, negotiation skills. Well, we do not learn only knowledge, right? The When we're talking about skills, we normally think about practical use of something, which is a part of the competence. And of course, you wouldn't be learning negotiation just, you know, having no attitude to it having no motivation having no uh inner drive or uh, you know curiosity and so on you just wouldn't learn that anyway in my understanding there is like a specific um, academic or methodological difference between competence and skills but in more broader sense when we're talking skills oriented teaching learning education i think we mean competence uh, In this sense, I think skills is just um, quicker to say and less uh, fancy while teaching an intercultural competence. So I'm having two groups this year. So it's there. There is this little bit of a. Different perspectives, perspective in it, because when I was teaching intercultural communication, then the focus was, of course, on communication. And here, when we're teaching intercultural competence, um, we're writing up a lot of the of the um, focus that it's not only communication or not necessarily the the end uh, idea is not only to use the phrases correctly or appropriately or in the place where you need them right not only to build a dialogue or a negotiation or a discussion but also to have this holistic understanding of complex structure of all the knowledge that it is never-ending dynamic and self-updating of the skills that need to be polished mastered and so on and of, of the um, of this attitude of this curiosity of this
0: learnability It's wonderful just how these meanings that shift from something to something else in the course of time bring us to sometimes a mess. Well, when we are trying to distinguish, to differentiate between uh, what uh, is there behind these words. I've now opened again the etymological dictionary. Do you know what it says about skill? Late 12th century... Power of discernment, distinction, ability to make out, adjustment, related to what we now call a scale of something. It comes from uh, Proto-Germanic divide-separate, which later entered other languages like Danish, Swedish, Middle-Low German to differ. And so on and so on. Always with the meaning of separation, discrimination, cutting. The pie root is scale to cut. And the sense of ability and cleverness was first recorded in the early 13th century. I'm just amazed.
1: Because the modern definition would be, well, at least the one that I keep on using during teaching the skills and writing the articles on that is the ability to solve a task or a problem in practice an instrumental skill you know you can you can use this word like cutting and uh, defining and refining as as the instrument right so it's an instrumental skill the ability to apply this method material or a tool right so basically how well do you use this tool this instrument and uh, the implementation? So how skillful are you right uh, how well you can take all the knowledge that you received about using this skill where to when how in which situations are so all this context ideation theoretical part how well do you implement what, what's your skill set uh, that skill set would be like a uh, tool set in the broader mind in the broader meaning this is just like toolbox Skill set and the toolbox would be, uh, it would be weird to use that in one sentence because that would be just uh, formulating the same idea twice.
0: Absolutely. And then all those uh, differences uh, between the words tool and instrument, and there is some if we dig deeper, it's the best reading. If you don't know what to read, (laughs) now it would be my evergreen uh, recommendation. Are you bored? Don't you know what to read? Go and dig deeper in an etymological dictionary because you're sure to find something amazing there. Pearls of knowledge. Back to skills and competences from the perspective of uh, language learning, for instance. When we are talking about reading, writing, um, listening speaking skills or competences or something else what is more adequate in your opinion
1: well the suffer the framework right the european framework formulating this uh, defines it as skills reading skills speaking skills conversational space skills as a part of speaking right this is a skill this is how to This is the uh, ability to solve a task or a problem in practice and provide a piece of solution, right? When you're asked to write a, I don't know, a business email or, I don't know, an application or anything like this, this checks the business writing skills, the ability to perform the task within specific context and apply it adequately, securely, and um, effectively. All the definitions fall here.
0: But if it shows how good are you in uh, doing so, then it's a competence. Uh,
1: The competence would be as well, uh, how much have you learned about it? And uh, what's what's your attitude, what's your thinking, what's your motivation
0: behind that? If we get back to the uh, etymology, then if you feel you're good enough... (laughs) that's your competence. Yeah, okay, I can write a business email, I might make some mistakes there, but I'm good enough. I might be not skillful enough, but my competence would allow me to solve the task uh, on an appropriate level. So becoming competent comes
1: from practice experience of doing or performing or implementing this knowledge into how-to formulation, right? How to get the skill. So basically, was practice, it makes you not only perfect, but also competent. That can be, that can be you know, a, a fantastic solution to this never-ending feeling of not enough. I think we can even link this to the imposter syndrome uh, talk because when you feel not enough... When you seek for the external confirmation of your skills and abilities, then um, that might be a good formulation
0: of uh, feeling incompetent. Imposter syndrome, you mean? I would add that uh, polishing the skills could help, but to a certain extent, because this never-ending process of polishing the skills because of the imposter syndrome, means there is never enough, um, that feeling of competence. So to me, psychologically, it would be a skill is something more measurable compared to a competence. And then it's your turn to say how we can measure both or either.
1: skill is something that you can uh, present for evaluation. Knowledge is something that is either theoretical or factual, that is essentially a collection of facts, theories, and principles. As well, you can present it to evaluation. Just remember how many uh, tests we, we used to have in school, which pro- which assessed or measured only the knowledge. In the end, yeah. So back in school, I did not know, I didn't have this project-based teaching or skills-oriented teaching. Something that I don't know I do every time every day now. I would be amazingly happy
0: we had it during uh, our school time. Uh, That's another thing, because uh, I can't um, imagine education of 100 years from now be similar to what we have now. Hopefully not and definitely not. Mm -hmm. And then people who will be at school or will be teaching at that time will look back and say, oh, I can't imagine being taught like, This, we had all those skill based, uh, project based, uh, etc. things at school. Oh no, I might sound sound like a dinosaur, but this is definitely not the way you should be taught.
1: Yeah, but there's the third pillar that differentiates uh, in this case. This is the attitude, right? Whether or not you're being proactive, analytical or you're having a critical position on any specific skill or any specific knowledge, would actually differentiate it from competency and uh, skill. Skill is how to. Competency is what for. Knowledge is what. In which way. So, getting it all together brings us back to, you know, the the, the very philosophy of learning. You cannot learn anything without those things, right? If you don't know why you're learning, your results wouldn't be uh, satisfactory, let alone competent. Yeah, if uh, you're learning something you don't know how to implement it, how to put it into practice and how to use those those, uh, tools or those uh, theories... Well, what's the point? And like, if the attitude, okay, I don't know, this might include ethics, values, priorities, accountability, cooperation, autonomy, a never-ending list. Like, even if I know these things, even I know how, but I don't care or uh, do not prioritize, well, well, then most probably not competent enough. There is this formulation, if I cannot account on your knowledge and your skills, how can you be competent to, to this understanding? I do think that we need to actually make a beautiful bridge between these two episodes with the imposter syndrome, because this attitude defines whether or not uh, you can check your skills and knowledge when, when you're thinking about competency and being good enough because then you have the uh denon kruger effect right when you have uh the uh, earlier you are in the learning of something so just think of the students who are learning a new subject for them right they their major so they just come to the first second year of the studies and they start learning whatever they chose for their major and they After a first or second semester, they feel like they have enough of it. They understand, they start uh, understanding some concepts, realizing how to use them and so on. And their level of self-assessment of their competence is the highest, right? Then the third, the fourth, the fifth year come, come closer. They understand that they know much less. Well, they... Feel that they know much less because they, their knowledge becomes more specified, more refined, right? And then, if you continue doing a doctorate in this case, you, you spend like three, four, five years understanding how much there is actually progress and advance in this case and how very little you know compared to this. And then the self uh, assessment, self measurement is very, very low in this case. And um, the, the law or the syndrome I didn't know, the, of this. And the more you're spending your time and the more attitude you're bringing on fighting and then only later in your career you can say that, well, I've learned enough and I feel competent. Actually, I asked this question a couple of weeks ago to one of the most prominent philosophers we had an opportunity to, to be in the same talk uh, and to ask questions about uh, the border, border lines, the borders of our uh, cognition and what to do if you, un- you understand that you do not understand. right? So how to behave in the field where you do not feel competent. And we had all these beautiful formulations, ideas, uh, development of those ideas and so on, very beautiful talk. And then I asked, well, where is this um, fine uh, border between the Dannen and Kruger effect and, and uh, the imposter syndrome? So what in the end is the, uh, uh, how to find this light in the end of the tunnel uh, because we are fighting all the time, the more professional we're becoming, the more we doubt whether or not we're competent enough to continue growth, to start new courses, to I don't know, get uh, more focused, to, to become on the spotlight, to, you know, to talk at the conferences, to write papers and to, I don't know, to ask for a higher pay rate or something like that. The, there comes the moment when we feel that there is this, how competent am I in this case?
0: So many ideas, so many thoughts. One um, prominent example that comes to my mind is that of Noam Chomsky, who, if you heard his talks uh, 50, 60 years ago, 50, 60 years ago, he was Well, he still is uh, one of the most competent figures in the field uh, of uh, language development, of human language. And if you would listen to his talks uh, half a century ago, you would hear a very confident speaker who knew exactly what his theory presupposed. When we listen to him now, he's doubting more and more, and he's asking for proof of uh, language development in animals to confront with his ideas. He is asking for this proof because it's not that he's not confident in his ideas, but he knows that he might not have enough uh, information, that he might not have enough um, experiment that he is aware of, whether these experiments Prove something different from what uh, he postulates in his theory, and so on and so forth. So, well, I would um, I would say the more competent uh, professional is the uh, and at the less at the same time the less imposter syndrome is developed in them. The more open a person would be to new evidence to confront uh, their ideas and to give life, to give way to something new to appear without the fear of being judged as incompetent. On the contrary, being open to new evidence and uh, being ready to welcome new ideas, even if uh, they might be different from uh, the previous theories
1: one thing is to welcome new ideas another thing is to be ready to external judgment and external assessment therefore uh, i i try to formulate uh, the confidence as intrinsic feeling of being enough being good enough and uh, when we're having the external formulation external message judgment feedback appraisal to have enough confidence to have enough accountability to have enough proof to show the attitude the competence so that's why skills is not enough in this thing so you need to have knowledge skills and, and attitude to confront external judgment or to welcome the external judgment in this matter?
0: I think these are two different layers, um, let's say, for a skillful person who has that adequate uh, perception of themselves as uh, an expert. I can do this, here's my certificate, and uh, I intrinsically believe this certificate tells the truth about my skills. If all of these uh, come together and there is no conflict, well, ideally, no imposter syndrome should arise from that. If there is a conflict, okay, I've uh, been learning some knowledge, skills, competences. then I get my certificate, which says uh, you're not just good enough you are this level of this skill or competence but something stops me from uh, implementing this uh, knowledge these skills these competences into my uh, practical activities then uh, there is some kind of a conflict in between And uh, it has little to do with the skills themselves. Uh, It has more to do with um, psychological issues that uh, have their way of being solved.
1: You know what uh, the uh, above-mentioned philosopher answered me to my question? So uh, his name is Professor Andrei Baumister, and... um, his answer was quite spontaneous to me. But then I realized that we keep on talking about this every, every time. He mentioned that knowledge, as skills, and competence is a social construct which belongs to the social sphere and therefore needs to be communal. So you really need a community to weigh out you know this professional community union or as we keep on talking about professional tribe to be able to see measure evaluate yourself not only not only for your own uh, measures but around everybody else and i think this is obviously where the conferences come the uh, departments come and uh, you know this professional environment brings in
0: so Colloquiums, conferences, workshops. Are you noticing you mentioned these words conference, colloquial? They're all about the same conference, is uh, con uh, a ferre or something bring together or carry something together, yeah, like not having all the load all to yourself, colloquials are all the uh, meetings where we talk together. And this is what we started with uh, discussing etymology of uh, competence that in the beginning was uh, satisfying the uh, satisfying what life brings or something. And uh, then at some point uh, comes from competere. Uh, So compete and uh, have something to do with the others. Yeah, which in the beginning used to mean uh, be together.
1: Okay, so yes, we we came uh, from the uh, understanding the uh, skills and competences and how they uh, can be seen from different perspectives and still constitute uh, a bigger notion one to another right being a part like skills being a part of a competence we discussed what attitude and uh, knowledge has to do with the competences the other two parts of it we discussed the formulations and definitions of a skill skill set toolbox and uh, definitions of competence which brought us which made a beautiful bridge between the beginning of the talk and the end of the talk when we have the understanding that being together, working together, being a part of a community, being a part of bigger professional tribe, uh, taking an active part in the professional conferences environment, colloquials, workshops, and continuous professional development brings us to the concept of live and learn.
0: Live and learn. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you share live and learn philosophy, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on all the major social media, comment, and spread the word about this podcast so that more people could get their weekly portion of growth mindset content live and learn